Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Let's find Joshua chapter 14 tonight. In Joshua chapter 14, I want to encourage us about this matter of faith. Joshua chapter 14. We'll read some verses here and then we'll be seated in just a moment. Joshua 14. As we gather together, just remember this. The Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhort one another, and so much today as we see the day, so much more as we see the day approaching. And I want to remind us, just because we're sitting here on this Sunday night, doesn't mean that we'll always be sitting in in a place like this. We have to put into practice the the basic principles of Christianity, Uh, seeking after the Lord, what we learned about this morning, uh, morning when there's... There's something that enters into our life, and we need to be right with the Lord, mourning and finding his comfort. But uh, I don't take it for granted that, that, that who I'm preaching to and that myself included, that we'll always be walking. We must, we must rest upon the grace of God. We must constantly be tending to our faith. What is it? I believe it was uh, Spurgeon or Moody that said uh, that we'd always need to be tending to the fire of our hearts, for it is the nature of fires to go out. And so I encourage you to allow God to stir up your faith even this evening. And we're at Joshua chapter number 15. Joshua chapter number 15 and uh, 14. I'm I'm confusing you. Joshua chapter 14. I believe that's where we are. Are you there? I am there. All right, let's look at verse number 6. The children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the and said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. He went up there and he saw that. And he said, I, I brought word again back to, um, to Moses, and I, I said exactly what was in my heart. I encouraged them to do uh, what, what was right, to go into the land. Verse number 8, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Our words matter. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever. Notice it, thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years. Years ever since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. Does anyone have what that is? 
85. Very good. Your Bible students. Verse number 11. And yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. Uh, any 85-year-olds here? Anyone close to 85? All right. Okay. That's a pretty amazing statement, actually, that he was still as strong. Without the modern medicine that we have, he's still as strong in that day. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite unto this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel." And the name of Hebron um, before was uh, Kirjath Araba, and Araba was a great man uh, among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. Father, guide us tonight, we pray. Be our teacher. I need your help tonight. Lord, I need your help to focus, and, and just, Lord, I need the filling of your spirit uh, to encourage these that have gathered, uh, listening by your spirit. So I pray that you would do something very deep in our hearts, that you'd stir our faith, help us to stir it up, as Paul told Timothy to, to stir up our faith. Uh, Lord, help us to contend for the faith, help us to stand by faith, all these things you've told us to do by faith. Uh, Lord, help us to live this week by faith. And I pray that you would strengthen us from the life and testimony of Caleb. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So tonight as we come to this matter of faith, I want us to really pay attention to this man, Caleb, who uh, was, was a part and a friend of Joshua's. He was someone that had believed God there when they were sent to Kadesh Barnea. And they've just come through a time of fighting uh, in the past five years of fighting and uh, going after the land that God had promised to them. I want us to notice they have concluded their wilderness wanderings. If you guys can give us the map there, they've concluded in wandering around in the wilderness for year after year after year. God was very gracious to them during that time. He did not let their shoes grow old. He did not let their clothes grow old. He gave them manna. He gave them food. He fed them. He cared for them in the wilderness. And all the while, God was allowing an older generation to pass off the scene, an older generation that did not believe God, allowing a younger generation to come up that said, we're going to believe God. We're not going to be like them. We're going to go into the promised land. They learned to follow the Lord, the, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. They had learned to follow the Lord anywhere he went. They had learned to say, yes, sir, we're packing up, we're following after the Lord. The lessons God was teaching the young generation in that day and throughout those 40 years were very, very important. Now, Caleb and Joshua were holdovers from that older generation that was going to all die off in the wilderness during this wandering because of their refusal to go into the land is marked there in the shaded green up there uh, where they refused at Kadesh Barnea to go up into the land. They said, we're not going. The giants are too big. The land will eat up our children. The land will eat up our children. And you think about that. 
You think how they said that as an excuse for not believing God, and yet it was their children that got to go into the land. And they missed out on the blessing. Well, when God says go, we ought to go, right? Don't you agree with that? And so they've been wandering around. God has been teaching lessons, and God is very good to take a bad situation and turn it around for good. And that bad situation turned around for the good of the next generation. They went in, they believed God. And so they've wandered their 40 years. They've gone five years into conquest. And I want you to see this next map. They've gone into the land up there where that blue arrow is, and they've kind of split. You remember the first, uh, the first conquest was what? Very good, very good. So they went in, they split the land, divide and conquer, and they spent five years of conquest. And so we're at the end of this conquest now where Joshua's calling all the tribes together and they're going to divide up the land. And so Caleb's like, "Uh uh-huh, I was told back in Moses' day that I got a share on this. I was promised a parcel of ground. I was promised a, a portion of land, and I'm going to make good on this promise that is given to me by God. I'm still strong. I'm 85 years old. I'm older now. But the fact is, I am still strong. I'm still waiting to see this promise come to real life. I want that mountain. We have the song, don't we? I want that mountain. I want that mountain. Where the milk and honey flows, where the grapes of escrow grow, I want that mountain. It belongs to me. And so that comes from the life of, of Caleb. Caleb lived 3,500 years ago, if we um, do math right, okay? He lived a long time ago, but he was a real individual with temptations, with struggles, with flesh, just like you and I. Yet he believed God. He had faith in God. And forever he will be in the the history books of, of time as a man who believed God, who had faith in God through thick and thin. Here's what I want us to see about his faith. First of all, I want us to see that his faith was a chosen faith. His faith was a chosen faith. Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, noticed the Kenizzite. According to Genesis, Genesis, the Kenizzites were a tribe of Canaan during Abraham's day. It's interesting that, that there was a time when, when Caleb's family was not really a follower of, of God. There was a time where Caleb, just like every single one of us, have to make a choice to personally follow after God. Genesis 15 and 19, the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Kemenites uh, in the Abrahamic covenant, referring to all those that were in the land. And so his family had some ancestors back in there. And where um, um, Caleb came to the Lord, I'm not exactly sure, but the reality is Caleb had chosen to follow after, after God. He had chosen to put his faith in the God of Israel, similar to a Ruth. He placed his faith in God. Salvation from our sin and the penalty of death and hell has always been a personal choice that you and I have to make. I don't know, perhaps there's someone here tonight that has not yet made that personal choice. You've not made that your personal reality. You've been a part of church, you've been, uh, been uh, hanging around Christians, but it's not been your personal reality made that personal choice. We must all realize, like every person, is that our sin separates us from a holy God. It really does. The Bible says that nothing is going to enter into heaven that defiles. Only that which is written in the Lamb's book of life. And so when you die in your sin, there will be not just a separation of your spirit from God, there is also an eternal separation um, between you and God. The second death forever in a place called hell. What a horrific thing. We think we bump shoulders all day long with folks who have who have not yet accepted and made a personal choice to place their faith in Jesus Christ. Their eternity is destined for an 
um, for a, a, an eternity apart from God, an eternity separated from God. Right now, they're separated. They don't have a spiritual connection. They're spiritually discerned. They, they, are, they are alienated from God. They're separated from him. But after death, think about that separation. Is, there's no way around it. It's forever settled. What a horrific future. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. We understand that salvation includes reconciliation. Reconciled to the Father by faith in Jesus Christ. He says that there's, there's no one, there's no one that's exempt from that. In fact, he says, uh, uh, there, for there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved he says that if anyone comes they'll not be ashamed they'll not they'll not be turned away i'm so thankful just like we heard uh, the blessed of the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven those that come humbly to god he receives him that cometh to me i will in no wise cast out i'm thankful from the life of caleb here's a man that turned to god he chose to place faith in God and God accepted him and look at what a difference God made in his life he believed God he had a chosen faith the Bible says I am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father but by me I encourage you to share that message this week if you've not yet accepted that message I encourage you to do so all that the father giveth me shall come to me and him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out you can't witness to the wrong person his salvation is open for all, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Caleb's an example of that. Here's a man whose family started back in the Canaanites, the very land that he would go into, his family came from. And what an amazing thing. He had chose to place faith in the God of Israel. You know that that was God's plan? That Israel would be a light to all the nations? That through Israel, he brings salvation to the ends of the earth? What a beautiful picture of that. And we see that displayed in lives like Caleb. But it wasn't just a chosen faith. It was a consistent faith. Look at verse number six. Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Hey, Joshua, you remember back to that day. You remember what Moses said. You remember he said we were going to have some land there. By this time, Caleb's faith had been tested many times. Think about 40 years in the wilderness. Think about that. That's a long time. Uh, we can think back over our lives, and, and I'm not quite till 40 yet, right? And so I, I can't think about 40 years of testing, 40 years of angst, but some of you can. You can think back to trial after trial and temptation and, and opportunity to take a different path and, and, and so many different opportunities get, uh, get, get uh, caught aside. Here Caleb is having been through many tests of faith. He had a consistent faith. He identified, I want you to notice, he identified with God and his followers. Deuteronomy 9 and verse number 4, Speak not thou in thine heart after the, uh, that the Lord thy God hath cast them out from before thee, saying, For my righteousness the Lord hath brought me to, in to possess the land, but for the wickedness of these nations the Lord doth drive them out before thee. Think, he identified not with his ancestors he identified with god's people with god's people these are the people that god are dry, is driving out of the land for their iniquity's sake god had given them much time and even the time that 
Israel was in the land of Egypt and under bondage, God was allowing the cup of, of iniquity to fill up for those that were in the, the land of Canaan. He was allowing that to, to fill up. And during that time, he was giving a space of grace for them to repent and turn to the Lord. And here it is. Caleb stood with God's people. He identified with God's people. Find that there will be many people who do not want to follow after Jesus because their family hasn't. We need to watch that even in our own lives. You know, sometimes following after Jesus means you're going to have to stand up to your family. You can do it graciously. But it's amazing how that sometimes our church family is closer to us than our real family because they don't agree with the way that we're, we're following God. Here's a man that stood with God's people. He stood aside with them. Don't let your family determine what you do. Don't let your family keep you back from following after the Lord wholeheartedly. Over and over in this passage of Scripture, have we not seen that Caleb followed the Lord wholly? Don't let your family keep you back from that. He stood with God at Kadesh Barnea when everyone else, the ten, the ten, ten were bad, ten were bad, and two were good. Is that how that goes? Those ten, they said, we can't go up. God can't give this to us. We can't. Don't listen to Joshua and Caleb. We cannot go up. And the people were swayed. You know, he stood with and begged the people on that day not to allow these, these words to sway them. They begged the people on that day to follow after God. He stood with God in the face of incredible odds, two to ten. That's pretty incredible odds. He stood in that day and called on Israel, let's believe God, but they did not. And he stood with God. You see that Caleb had a strong faith. Numbers 13 and verse 30, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Not just we're able, but we're well able to overcome it. Here's a man that knew what it was to stand with God. He did this by minimizing the giants and maximizing his God. The times that we struggle in our faith, we maximize the giant. We maximize the problem and we minimize our God. That's why I said when we sang, Be Thou My Vision, Jesus has to be bigger than anything. If Jesus had been bigger to Peter than the waves, he would have been still walking. Now, thank the Lord Peter got out of the boat. And I'm thankful the Lord helps us when we when our faith begins to struggle, he doesn't say, well, so long. <laughs> Aren't you thankful about that? But the reality is, when, when our problems become bigger than our Jesus, than our Savior, than our God, then we're in real trouble. We have to keep our eyes in the right place, and Caleb did that. And so he stood with God there at Kadesh Barnea. But he also wandered in the wilderness with the rest of the children of Israel and stayed true in his faith. You talk about year after year after year. And I want us to think about his company. Now, he had his family. But can you not think about the company of people that were dying off? They had no future ahead. It was purposeless. We're wandering. Have you ever met a person that has no purpose in life? Just wander to and fro, and they go from this place to that place. They don't have any, any divine purpose for their life. I don't know why God has set them here. And here he is, uh, 
keeping company with those that had no purpose. They're just wandering about. No purpose. Do you think the conversations about God were, we should believe God for miracles? Do you think that's the, the common conversation on the talk radio of Israel wandering through the wilderness? Do you think that's what they were talking about? We should believe God for great things ahead. No, they were constantly murmuring. They're constantly speaking unbelief. You know, you get around a person that's constantly speaking unbelief, doesn't it not drain your spiritual battery? Huh. Well, is anything going to go right? Can, is God's hands tied? God changed? He can't do anything anymore? You get around a person that says, well, we just need to hold on until the rapture. I remember asking a guy one time, um, a, a pastor one time, you know, how things were going and, and so on. And uh, it's possible that pastors can get discouraged, right? So I'm not throwing the pastor under the bus, but he says, oh, we're just doing our thing. We're not really expecting much over here. There was a town here in, a, in Ohio, a good distance from here. And I thought, uh. There's an older pastor saying, we're not really expecting much to happen over here. Unbelief really, will, man, it's contagious. Sad. Company Caleb was keeping. He had a nation full wandering around in the wilderness that already had the judgment of God passed upon them. They murmured and they they talked and they weren't believing God for great things ahead. Now think about keeping your faith in the midst of that environment. Some of you have to keep that type of faith in the midst of your work environment. No one's talking, let's believe God. Some of you have to keep that faith inside of your family. They're constantly pushing back. And it's not overt jabs, but it's, you know, there's just kind of a lagging back or, or just a questioning. Why are you doing that? And here uh, Caleb was standing, and he says, listen, in Joshua 14, verse 10, And now, behold, after 45 years, the Lord hath kept me alive. These 45 years, ever since the Lord spake this, he hadn't forgotten what God said. He's still remembering this in this moment. And, and here he is as a man that has gone through the wilderness. Do you remember where Jesus was brought to be tempted? The wilderness. Where did Moses go for his 40 years of preparation? Backside of the desert, wilderness. Wildernesses are oftentimes equated with temptation or trying times. We all have wildernesses we go through. And here Caleb has come out of a wilderness and he's still remembering the word of God. He's still thinking, hey, God said this and I still believe it to this day and I want to see it happen. Every one of us will go through wildernesses. Churches will go through wildernesses. Times of testing. Will we believe God? Will we continue to go forward even when it doesn't look so good? Even when things are difficult? We will all go through wildernesses. And here Caleb exemplifies to us a man who went through time of testing, a difficult time, and still held on to his faith. Every time you check in on Caleb's life, you see a man who was expressing faith in God. Every time. Everything God said would happen, Caleb was believing God to happen. I want to see God work. I want to see God fulfill his promise. Yes, it's been 45 years, but I haven't forgotten it. 
And I'm going to continue to ask and seek and knock for it. And may we have a faith that is consistent like a Caleb's in every season of our life, even after we go through difficult seasons. Listen, God knows where we are. God knows the, the, the cultural climate. God knows all those things. He's not stopped being God. And his promises are still very true to us today. And so Caleb had a consistent faith. You check in his life before, before going into the wilderness, he was believing God. He was identifying with God's people. At Kadesh Barnea, he was identifying with God, saying, I'm with God. I'm not with this, this group of rebels here. I'm with God. And you check in after the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. I'm still with God. I'm still believing him. I want to be like that, don't you? Still believe in God. Notice this leads to a conquering faith in verse number 10 through 15. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. I'm still believing God at 85 years of age. Caleb would have uh, been about uh, 20 years younger than any of the Israelites at that point. They had, uh, all, all had come up. There was a new generation. You remember that everyone 20 years that at, uh, uh, that at Kadesh Barnea, everyone 20 years and older, were going to die off in the wilderness. And so here we have Caleb. He's a, he's a senior citizen there in, uh, in Israel. In fact, uh, we call those mature individuals. Not old, but mature individuals. And so here he is, a mature individual. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we get to this part of our life and we start thinking... Well, it's time to settle in. It's time to think about retirement and going to the funeral home and making prearrangements. It's time to just kind of figure out how we're going to land this plane. Right? I have a few mature folks in the audience tonight. Caleb's a great example for us, right? I'm going to figure out how to be a snowbird. I mean, this is the time I've worked. I'm just going to, I'm just, going to just enjoy this part of my life. I mean, it's just time to settle, settle in. I mean, I, I, I've matured. I've, I've, I've put in my time. I've, I've served God. I've, I've done what I needed to do. And, and, and here Caleb is at 85 years of age, much, much older than everyone else, you know what? Most of the Israelites would have probably said if Caleb wanted to go sit on the rocking chair on the front porch and drink lemonade, they would probably would have said, it's okay, Caleb. We got this. We understand. But here Caleb is, 85, and you know what he says in verse number 13? Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. I am still believing God for that miracle. I'm still believing God to make good on that promise. Standing at Kadesh Barnea, that was hard. It's always hard when we're standing in the face of incredible odds. It's always hard when our whole family is against us seemingly and we're standing for God. It's always hard when everyone at work is against us or the culture is against us. It's always hard to stand in the face of those odds. Wandering in the wilderness, that was hard. Because it, it wasn't an event or a crisis in that moment. It was year after year after year after year of hardship. That'll wear you down. Defeating the giants that were in the land promised to him in Hebron was going to be very, very hard. Impossible. 
He was outmanned. He was outnumbered. He was outsized. It says there in verse number 15, the name of Hebron was before Kerjath Arba. And Arba was a great man among the Anakims. What's that word, Anakims? They were giants. These were large dudes. They were big guys with big biceps. They were, they were very much a threat, a physical threat to Caleb. These were the giants that caused 600,000 military men and all of Israel to cry at Kadesh Barnea. These were the men that were going to eat up the children. These are the, these are the men that they, they, they made us feel as if we we're grasshoppers in comparison. Now, that might have been a little bit of a stretch, right? But these were the men, the children of the Anakims, great men among the Anakims. And so here we have Caleb believing God to do exactly what he said. I'm going to give you that land. That land has your name on it, Caleb. And chapter 15 and verse number 14, and Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, uh, Shishai, Ahiman, uh, and Telmai, the children of Anak. He drove them. I want us to realize this is a conquering faith. He continued to believe God and believe that God was going to do the impossible. The idea of on drive is to expel them. You're out of here. This is the land that God has promised to me. Now, if you were to have taken a, a survey of that land, you'd think, hey, they're pretty settled here. It doesn't look like they're moving anytime soon. They're not going to sell out. They're not going to go easily they're going to have to be driven out if they're going to go out. This, they look pretty settled here. No, you know what? Caleb went into that land, and he personally, as an 85-year-old man, he expelled them. He expelled them. You're never too old to believe God for great things. You're never too old to believe God for the impossible. Ask Sarah. And none of you ladies want to, want to go there, right? 90 and carrying around a baby, a baby carrier. Can you imagine? I cannot. But you're never too old. David said in Psalm 71, O God, thou hast taught me from the youth, and hitherto I've declared thy wondrous works. Now also when I'm old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I've shown thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone to come. His prayer was, I don't want to go off the scene of my life. I don't want to pass away before I've showed to this generation your power. Every single gray-headed here, um, person here, I realize I'm joining that, that club, all right? But the fact is, you need to show this generation the power of God. You need to be the Caleb's of this church. You need to believe God even when it seems impossible. You need to be the one that doesn't join the rest and saying, you know, I don't know that we can do that. I don't know that God wants to, to build his church in this day. I don't know that God wants us to advance. I don't think it's possible in this day. Don't you see everything around us? You need to be the one that's like Caleb says, I still believe what God said before. I still believe him. I want to show this generation the power of God. There's more watching you than you realize. There's more watching. This generation of youth needs to see the older generation venturing out for God. And most of all, believing that God is still working. 
You're, you are right now a part of the Experiencing God growth groups, and you're learning that God is working all around us. Isn't that what we're learning? God is working all around us. He's at work in every, all around us, and it's, it's our job to look where he's working. The fact is, you need to lead out as a Caleb and say, God is still working. He's still working up on that mountain. If I'll go up them, if the Lord be with me up there, I believe I'll be able to drive them out. Problem is, is we look too much to our own strength. We look to our own abilities and we say, we measure, we measure whether we'll be successful in terms of our own reserves, our own strength, rather than his strength. His strength never is exhausted. Our strength is. And we can go, if he goes with us, we can believe that it is going to happen just as he said. Just as he said, and Caleb believed that. So Caleb's faith was was chosen. He decided to follow God just like every one of us have had to do. He was consistent. Every time you checked into his life, he was expressing faith in God. You can do it. God, I believe you. You can do it. You're worthy of being followed. He had a conquering faith. He went at 85 years of age and saw God expel, expel the the giants that were in the land. But I want us to notice he had a contagious faith. Look at chapter 15 and verse number 13. Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a part among the children of Judah according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron. And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Shishai and Ahiman and Telmai, the children of Anak. And he went up, uh, up thence to the inhabitants of Deber. And the name of Deber before was Kerjath Sefer. And Caleb said, he that smiteth Kerjath Sefer and taketh it to him will I give Axa. Uh, 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 Need to slow down. Here's a good, uh, good name for a girl. Axa, my daughter to wife. And notice here, and Othniel, the son of uh, Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it and he gave Axa his daughter to wife. And it came to pass as she came unto him that she moved him to ask of her father a field. And she lighted off her ass. And Caleb said unto her, what wouldest thou? Who answered, Give me a blessing, for thou hast given me a south land. Give me also the springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. And here's what I want us to realize. In this moment, Caleb was not just as having conquered the land, not just content to sit and enjoy the land that was before him. Caleb was interested in encouraging someone else to get in on the deal, to get in on what God had promised, and go see a victory for themselves. Now, here's the fact. Caleb had already conquered a very difficult piece of land where the children of Anak were, where the giants were. And he did not, he did not call a young man and say, hey, you go fight that hard battle, and I'll sit back and watch, and I'll go fight some other city. He gave, uh, uh, he gave to a young man, he said, if you'll go, I'll give you my daughter to wife. Pretty good deal. Okay? You're looking for a wife? Here, here it is. If you go and you, uh, you win this piece of property, uh, you will have my daughter to wife. We'll have a wedding at the end of it, okay? And I don't know what she thought about that, but that was more culturally accepted back in that day. And so here we have, look at Hebron on the map. There, there we have, and then the next map, if you would, 
we have this other piece of property just down uh, a little bit south. Now, remember, it was called Deber. Deber. This property or this piece of land had already been won in conquest once. Back in Joshua chapter 10, and I believe it's verse 39. And it's interesting, even in our day, there are some conquests that have to be made over and over. But the reality was, there had already been a conquest there. There had already been a defeating of that, 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 that parcel of ground, and it needed to be regained. It needed to be taken back. And so Caleb did not give the responsibility to this to whatever young man to go and fight the giants. He did that himself, and he gave him another, another responsibility, lesser, but another responsibility to encourage him to get in on, on the deal, to follow after God, to to see God work in his life as well. And I find that that would be very interesting. Caleb encouraged a future leader. Caleb encouraged another generation. You can do it. You can see God win. You can lead out. You can see God come through on his promise. You can see God give the victory as well. It's interesting that this this Kerjaf Sefer is uh, means a city of writing or learning. It was a home of a Canaanite college. It was a, a place where there was much learning that, that, that had happened there. And this was a place that Othniel was going to be able to go and conquer and see victory in. Does anyone remember who Othniel was? Bible students, put on your thinking caps. He was the first judge. Judges chapter 3 and verse number 9. You ever wonder why he was the first judge? Where did he have faith? Where was his faith built? Back with Caleb, his his father-in-law, who was encouraging him, hey, you can see God work. Don't just let it be my story. You go have a story too. And you'll have my uh, daughter to wife as well. And you have a story too. And so Othniel, the son of, of Kenaz, Caleb's uh, younger brother. And so here we have this, 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 this person who's being encouraged. You go see God give you victory as well. Paul encouraged Timothy and other believers. Uh, watch my life. See what God's done in my life. From my example, you can go forward and see God work in your life. You've fully known my, my doctrine, manner of life, but continue thou in the things that thou hast learned, Timothy. Oh, that we'd be an older generation that would encourage the next generation in believing God, giving them opportunities to believe God and see God work, to see God come through. God is not done with us here. He's not done with what he wants to do in your life. He's not done what he wants to do, uh, with what he wants to do in my life. He's not done with what he wants to do in Grace Baptist Church and through our church. And you know what's really interesting to me is to begin to hear you all begin to say, hey, I believe God might allow us to do this outreach or do this thing or this person I'm concerned about and to begin to see God stirring your heart to see who is it that we can reach with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a blessing to be a part of last night down at Brother Cliff's, uh, Cliff's place and to, to witness to people and to be able to talk to people. And so many of you helped out with that and some of you prepared and I know uh, some planned and it came together. It was beautiful. It was low key. And you know what? As we have in our minds these neighborhood barbecues, I think if you saw that last night, you'd realize the potential of just going out and eating with folks 
and talking with them and praying with them and just giving opportunity for us to go and find out where is God working so that we can join him there. And it's exciting to me to hear some of what's stirring and percolating in your hearts. And you know what? God's not done. And we need to believe God. And there's going to come a test of that. There will always be a test to our faith, but we need to believe God and continue forward. Don't you agree with me? We need to believe God. There were some things that God gave to us last year and in 2020 and 21 that we need to continue to believe God for. In 2021, we had the theme, I will build my church. The Lord had really worked in my heart, especially as I was over in India and just realized that even in the face of persecution, God is still building his church. He's not done. He's not done bringing people to himself. We might think, and you hear people say, hold on until the rapture. But no, he's not done. And we had that theme, I will build my church. I want to call your remembrance to that. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. What does the rest of the verse say? And the gates of hell, help me, shall not prevail against it. Do we believe that? You know, that is as strong as a promise, as a promise that Caleb heard from God. You get that mountain. Hebron is yours. That's yours, Caleb. And yet, sometimes we can read over that and think, you know what? I don't know. God doesn't... I mean, this day. I mean, it's 2023, and it's a pretty pagan environment. Yes, more pagan than Rome, for certain, right? Certainly more pagan than than Rome ever was. Uh, More difficult than living under Nero when he would light, light his garden by burning believers' bodies. Very, very difficult. We look at this verse and we wonder, you know, is is God still building his church? The fact is God still wants to build his church and he's waiting for people to believe him. This is a promise. And he has set us right here in the midst of this city, in the midst of this community, in your neighborhood, and he still wants to build his church. I believe that with all my heart. And to the extent the Bible says that we're we're co-laborers with God, we plant we water, and he gives the increase. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to take those Bibles, or those John and Romans that God is giving to us that are being printed up, and to go put seeds in the ground all around Kettering. How about you? We got to do it down in Grenada. Can't we do it here? Now, the, re- the reception might be different, but we can still go out there and seek hungry hearts. There's hungry hearts out there. There are people that they've shot themselves up today with drugs, and they'll realize tomorrow, this isn't working. There are people that, that will have been drunk over the weekend, and come Tuesday, they're saying, this doesn't give me satisfaction. There are people in our city praying for God to do something in their lives. There are children and, and teenagers. We read this, this, uh, this week, the CDC came out with their report about adolescents, and they said specifically adolescents 13-year-old or adolescent girls, particularly, we've seen an increase of depression and suicide in that particular, uh, in a particular category, adolescent girls. You think about, we've had factors such as social media, they're constantly comparing themselves with others. Uh, fatherless homes, so there's no dad to say, uh, to, um, to set some boundaries and to provide some protection. And to say, hey, um, you're loved, 
and I'll protect you, and you don't need to let any boy just coming along steal your heart. Uh, let me protect you. Let me be a part of that. We have all these, these, these different uh, issues that are feeding into this, such as, well, now you need to figure out what gender you are and how you're going to present yourself. Well, isn't that a great thing to throw into adolescent years? What a pressure. And it's no wonder, it is no wonder that these young people are suicidal. They can't compete with what they see out here. And we have a generation right now that needs to be reached and is crying out. We have a generation that is talking to God on their beds before they go to bed, asking him to do something. Show them something. And we need to go find them. We need to go out to them. We need to keep running our buses. We need to go to the apartment complexes. We need to believe that they're out there. Believe. Do you know what God said? He said the fields are already right into harvest. We're in this winter season. We're, we've allowed God to work through us in, in us through revival and to, and to encourage us. But at some point, we need to put some feet to the pavement, and we're going to have to go out as Caleb's, as retired individuals with the strength that God gives us and say, here's a message, and I believe that there's, there's white and ready, ready harvest out here, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to deliver the good news of the gospel out here, believing that Jesus is still building his church, and there's people out there that need Jesus. Jesus was not talking about building buildings in Matthew 16, 18, but it does not exclude building buildings. What I mean by that this building has not changed one life. What has happened inside of this building has changed lives. What has happened in some of the Sunday school classes and on some of the vehicles has changed lives. And even as I was down in Grenada, I realized that the building there for Gethsemane Independent Baptist Church is very important. When they are renting a facility, Pastor Joseph who used to, it used to be occupied by the Spirit Baptists. The reason they're called Independent Baptists down there is because they really need that distinction because a lot of the other Baptists have erred from the, on, from the Word. So the Spirit Baptists are very mystical and have spooked the people. And they've done some weird things inside of the building. And the way that they even go about baptism is you need to go down to the ocean and on a full moon you need to baptize and dunk the person three times on a full moon. So the people are a little bit spooked out by the, the Spirit Baptist and the building they used to occupy. Well, the only building available to Brother Joseph and the Gethsemane Independent Baptist Church is that building, so they're renting it. And many people have said to them, once you get your new building, that will only take $18,000 um, to finish, once you get your new building up there on the hill, we'll come. We'll come. I have a pastor friend not too far from here. He, uh, he was told by, uh, by some folks they've been meeting in temporary places in hotels and, and school places. They said, once you get your building, we'll come. Buildings play a part in church on foreign soil and here. And what happens inside of building changes hearts. Well, the building itself does not. Back in 2022, last year, we, on Vision Sunday and 
ahead of our Conquerors for Christ offering back in, in April. You remember that day that, that God brought a good chunk during that month of the $35,000 offering, a sacrifice offering during that, during that year, brought a good chunk of that uh, together at that point and allowed us to start installing the camera system and do some other uh, updates that were mentioned in our vision guide from last year uh, and to, uh, to prepare uh, to conduct a feasibility study to raise um, funds for the replacement of our, our roof, to update the camera system, to install flooring in that, that wing down there, and the Lord allowed us to do that. We still have some updates that need to come from that, from that offering, uh, some updates out here in the, the lobby and some updates down here in a classroom. Just um, basic manpower uh, has stalled some of that, but it's sitting there and ready, uh, ready to go. But the reality is, on, that, on that, uh, that offering, we raised money to conduct a feasibility study. Now, if, you're, uh, if you have a business background and you think, well, uh, the feasibility study, I hear about that a lot, and you know, people just kind of do that and are constantly trying to figure out what to do, and they're throwing money at different studies. We didn't do this to throw money at something. We did this to say, Lord, you've given us a piece of uh, property that is five acres. We've always been right here in this, this footprint. Is there anything more that you want to do with this piece of property? Is there anything more? Would you, Lord, do you want to build your church? Do you want to build the size of this church? Do you want to see more people added to Grace Baptist Church? Is that your heart, that more people come to Christ and more people are worshiping together and more children are going to Sunday school and more teenagers are learning about Jesus Christ? More teenagers aren't, aren't, aren't out there just wandering the streets, but they're, they're in a place where they belong and they're accepted and, and, and they're being taught the truths of the Scripture. Uh, is that your desire, Lord? Would you like to do, uh, do that here? And so we conducted the feasibility study just to say, Lord, what could happen here? And so as we did that, we used the McKnight Group and uh, mentioned uh, the, the McKnight Group is, a, is an organization that, that does architectural work for churches. They're based out of uh, the Grove City, Ohio. And they came in, they met with us, uh, and they, they went around the, the church, took a bunch of pictures, they heard some of the, the, the desires and so forth, and then we, uh, they sat down and began to, to put it out. And so I want to I take a moment to go through this tonight. Now, this report, you can, if you'd like, uh, it, it, is, it is a six-page report. It has, it has some pictures of, 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 of future opportunities. What is in here is not saying this is gospel truth. If, if you see something, you wonder about something, ask about it. But it's, it's, it's a plan. It's something that sets some vision out in front of us. What could the Lord do with our piece of, uh, a piece of property, five acres, could we see the Lord do some more here? Would the Lord expand us? And so we want to we just talk about that for a moment. But back last year, we took up the offering, and part of that offering was to pay for this, uh, for this feasibility study and the drawings that you'll see right here. Somewhere to the tune, around $7,400 is what it, what it is. And what that $7,400 might seem big in a personal budget, but just understand that gives us something to look forward to. It gives us something, oh, well, that's what we can do here. Could we pray about that? And that's what I want to put on your hearts, uh, hearts tonight. So the feasibility, the goal of the study was to do this. Number one, to plan for auditorium improvements to ensure maximum use. What is the way that we can use this auditorium in the best way? How can we make sure that, that we, are not, we are not bottlenecking any, any growth right in here? Obviously, uh, we need the Spirit of God to, to draw the hearts of men here. Just, uh, you can have... You can have a tent and have a crowd that the Spirit of God draws. So we're not depending on, on, on improvements to bring a, bring a crowd, not at all. 
but we don't want to also uh, in any way hamper that. And so we want to plan uh, for auditorium improvements to ensure maximum use. How can we use this room to its maximum? Uh, we want to plan through this feasibility study for access to the front entry and use of street parking. If this auditorium is full, then our parking lot will be full. And we've had that, and so, uh, sometimes, like uh, on special holidays, people need to begin parking down there on the street. What happens? They need to walk all the way around. Or even, wasn't there a Sunday recently where we had snow on a Sunday morning, and people couldn't get up the hill, and so you're walking through, walking up the hill. Wouldn't have been nice to be able to walk in the front entrance. So anyway, I, I believe if you go up to, if you go out door knocking and you, you come up to a door and they don't have a front sidewalk, it kind of says, uh, well, we don't use this. This is, you know, we're kind of going out of commission here. And so I kind of believe that, that a, a access to the front entrance of our church would be a good thing. And certainly we'd allow for street parking. You can park down there on the street. And the, the other purpose of the feasibility study was to, to plan for future future expansion. So I'm going to go through this in phase 1A, phase B, on uh, 1B, and phase 2. And I'm going to just show you the pictures. So if you give me the first, the first slide, here, here's our current footprint uh, the Lord has given to us. Uh, most all of you know that this is an old school building. This is the old gymnasium. On the other side of that wall is a kitchen. In 2015, the fire marshal came in here. When we did this current uh, renovation, which was lights, Putting, getting rid of the carpet on the walls, getting rid of the brick columns that went up here, and adding projection and so on and so on in here. When we did that and painted the auditorium, the fire marshal allowed us to close off those doors into the kitchen. Uh, on Sundays when they were cooking in the kitchen, when Miss Nancy's cooking in the kitchen, the glorious smell of the food would just waft in here. It made it really hard. So anyway, it was very, very nice to finally get that closed off. And, but it's, there's doors there, and, and you could certainly open um, back up to it. But nonetheless, this was the, the gymnasium. This platform right here has been built out, and so this is a typical school platform. It used to have the old um, velvet curtains back there and the stage lighting and all, all of that. And we built in the baptistry, so uh, it, would, it had gone all the way back to that, um, back to that wall. And so uh, this is an old school building, and this is the footprint that God has given us since 1983. I believe the first Sunday in this building was the first Sunday of 1984. And so this was the old, does anyone remember? What's the old school here? What's the name of it? What's it? Rolling Fields Elementary School. And so as I understand it, this was first through third grade, and that was fourth through sixth grade. I might be wrong about that. They might be switched. Both buildings, I am wrong. There we go. We have an authority on it. There we go. Thank you. So I've, I've wondered about that. So kindergarten and then 5th, uh, 6th, and 7th uh, up there. So anyway, they're, they're, they're matching buildings. They have a gym up there. We, uh, we do not. We've turned it into our, into our auditorium. Behind these walls, a nice pink block, as I, as I remember. Down that hall was some nice pink block until Brother Dennis painted it. And we've, we've done away with that, I believe, in every area of the church. Finally, there's no more pink or green block anywhere in the church. It's all been painted. And so that's all, 
oh, in some of these rooms back here, okay? But nonetheless, in all the main areas, we've, we've been able to do away with that and slowly just continuing to, uh, to make it look a little bit more pleasing in that way. So that's our current footprint. The outside, if you give us the next slide, our current outside. Uh, we have five acres. That's the property line, as you can see. Now, they've designed one of the things that McKnight Group and one of the cost is, is them doing the survey and and going to the city and saying what can be built on, what cannot be built on, what are the setbacks, and they're doing all that. that that's why it's called a feasibility study. Too. They're not just sitting down saying, we think this would look nice. They're actually doing the study behind it. Okay? So what they're giving us is what we can do with a piece of property, according to the city. You see our parking lot uh, there, and you see our, our property line kind of goes uh, right past the play, the play area out here, the swings, the, the ball pit out there, and we have that ball field out there um, that we use um, and is a, is a blessing during like cola clash but other than that we don't often use that piece of property out there there's a backstop out there but that's our piece of property we especially like to use this on um, this one piece of ground uh, along acosta where we just had to have a tree taken down which was really sad uh, for like vbs and those types of things out there the fair which by the way there might be a possibility for us to host a a community block party in this area. God gave an inroad this past week for that that, um, the, um, that that may happen, so we ought to pray about that, and we can do that out there, and that would be another way to reach out to our neighbors, that uh, an opportunity God is bringing to us. And so there's our, our, existing, our existing piece of property. Let's go on to the next slide. So phase 1A, here in the auditorium, um, the, 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 the study was... How can we maximize the use of, of this, this room right here? We're not looking to build right now. We're asking God to fill this room. And we need to believe that. We really do. These, these seats that are empty need to burden your hearts along with me. Right? Are there more people that need to hear the word of God? Yes. And we need to go out and get them. One of the things that I notice, and you guys are doing really well tonight, but one of the things that I notice as a, as a pastor is, a lot of times that our, our church will fill up this side, especially Sunday mornings. They'll fill up this. They'll fill up the sides here next. And then right here we have all this wasted space. And so guests come in a little bit uh, later or, or folks that maybe have children and, and they have this, this space right here. And uh, it's amazing that pews, though they're very traditional and they're lovely in a church setting, especially if you've grown up with pews, you think, boy, this is the way, the way it is. I didn't grow up with pews, so I don't, I don't have that, that, that particular attachment in my heart. But, but they, they, do not, they do not use space well. In other words, um, you look at a, at a row of pews and you look down it and you might think right here in between Noah and, and uh uh, Ms. Turner here, you might you may think right there, oh, we can get three or four people there, when actually, if that was seats, you might be able to get seven. And the reality is that, that pews do not manage a group as well, does not accommodate a group as well and as efficiently as seats do. Why? Because there's, there's individual divisions. We all like our space. So you can say, this seat is mine, but when we, when we have a pew, we say, this pew is mine, all right? And uh, back off, you're getting a little bit too close. But when there's a line there, uh, you don't have anything to say. Well, I guess that's the seat that's left. They need to sit there. The other thing that's nice about um, seats is that you can, you can break up an auditorium 
uh, differently. You can put a center aisle in if needed. You can, uh, you can reduce the number of chairs if needed. You can also take down the chairs and use the room for something else if needed. The, ch um, the chairs that, uh, that we're talking about, if you go on to the next uh, slide, would be something like this. They lock together. I'm not saying this color, but I'm saying they, they lock together. I actually will pull out a, a, a sample um, seat at the end of the service. They lock together and uh, they have a hymnal rack underneath. They have a little place for communion uh, glasses underneath. You can get different options where you can have um, offering envelopes in the back and different things like that on uh, different pockets. It's, it's, very, it's very versatile. And again, not the color, but that's the idea. You will love the comfort of the seats. And uh, as I was over in Grenada, we sat in the, the seats in Mama Can Independent Baptist Church. What a great name, Mama Can independent baptist church and so uh there they are it's a metal frame they're very uh, they're very beautiful you see them a lot in churches we're not doing this because we believe seats will make people come just in and of themselves but seats will enable us to use the auditorium more effectively efficiently it will be a, a wonderfully warm environment uh it, rather than people having to trudge down uh, down a a long aisle we can we can break it up a little bit differently and, and use the auditorium a little bit more efficiently. Along with that, these, um, these pews are in the, uh, the they're driven into the, the ground, they're um, screwed into the ground, and certainly this carpet, does anyone guess how old this carpet is? It's time for the green to go. It's time for the carpet to get a, get a replacement. And, uh, and especially if we were to put in chairs, you will realize, you'll realize and see the wear and tear that is on this carpet. But friends, when you go into a, a hotel that's not been renovated in a long while, in 20 years, or they've not replaced the carpet, you all are like, yes, I'm so glad they're thrifty. If you see a hotel online that's advertising, we've just recently updated our rooms, that's the one you're picking, Right? There's something about that. It's fresh. Listen, we, we intend to continue to be here until the Lord returns, right? Continue to preach the gospel. We need to treat this building and update this building with that mindset. We're, we're continuing to strive forward. Well, it costs money. Yes, we put a lot of money into our homes, right? To keep them updated, keep them fresh, and so on. So this, this carpet it needs a, a freshening up. And so along with that, with seats and, and carpet, uh, carpeting the stage or, put, or perhaps putting uh, maybe a, a flooring like that is down that, that, uh, that hall on the stage to give a hard stage to help elevate some or uh, give a little bit more acoustics in here would certainly uh, verify that with um, folks that know and have more wisdom in that area. But I as well say, I want to just put it out there as a prayer thing. If we're replacing it here to freshen up, this carpet has now already been in since 2008 out here. And to freshen that up and get a one consistent feel here in the carpet. God gave us a beautiful hallway down here, right? So get, just freshen, freshen this up. And you say, well, what's that going to cost? The next slide. So chairs, surprisingly, 16000 Not that expensive. You, uh, when you think about pews, pews are very expensive. Chairs, 16200 Something that would be very, very attainable. Auditorium carpet, 19000 to 23000 I want to say this. That is, not, that is not going through sources that we went through to get this flooring. The next thing that you see there for the lobby and north hall, so this hall and that hall, it's about 3,500 square feet. 
So at typical retail prices, that's somewhere between 7.5 and $9 a square foot. Uh, we got this flooring for $1.25 a square foot. So there are resources to bring these prices down. I'm just throwing them out, out there for you to understand. Now the seating, that, that, would, be, that would be more of a firm, a firm number. But as far as the carpet, we could, see that, uh, we could more than likely see that, um, that number come down, and I'd like to see us put in carpet squares just like down in the fellowship hall where we're able to rip up one if there's a stain or something that's on it so we can, we can get the best use out of it. We always want to use commercial carpet so that, that it wears really well. Everything in the building has been done with commercial carpet, and it wears really well for a very long time. The carpet just doesn't want to die. Okay, you understand. But anyway, so that would be phase 1A uh, right there. You say, why, why uh, 1A and, and so forth? Phase 1A, they suggested to enlarge the auditorium to break out that wall back there and make an alcove where we could get an additional 70 seats. That isn't the first thing that is, is most necessary right now. Maximize the use of our current footprint, update it, get it, uh, get it fresh, and then go to phase one, uh, one, one B. would you? And that would be where I'd, uh, where I'd suggest we get the, the stairs down to the, get the stairs down to the street. The Lord has uh, connected us with Brother Frank Suglio, who does concrete work. We want to talk about that. He'll be giving us an estimate on that so we can get that in our mind. That might not be as far out as we, as we think. But friends, I just want to encourage us about something. We want to open up. We want to say to the community we're open. It may not bother you that there's no front entrance, but People drive by this building all the time. I sit in my office and I overlook the street. People are driving by constantly, walking by constantly. Galewood is a main thoroughfare to this, this neighborhood. And there needs to be a statement from Grace Baptist Church to the community. We are open and we want you. We want you. And so those stairs are they're very important. We need to pray about that. Maybe the Lord would enable that to happen uh, sooner than labor, uh, later. But I just wanted to, to part that out. So stairs down to Galewood. Yes, for parking, but also philosophically to say we're open. There was a day back in 2010 when we did not have a church sign. We needed to put a church sign out there to say, hello, we're here, right? And we just updated that church sign. Why? Because things need to be freshened up and, and continue to keep updated, right? And so uh, we want to we think about that and pray towards that. The next phase, give me the next slide if you would, would be phase two. And that would be, and this is something I want to throw out there as something to pray. God can do this. God wants to build this church. I'm 38 years old. God's called me here. He hasn't asked me to leave. I want to see God work in this community. And God has been stirring in this community. There is more happening here than maybe meets our eyes. And we're going through that experience in God. Just, just, we're going to learn a whole lot as a church. We need to believe that God's working. And we need to believe that God wants to build this church. Now, I want you to think about this, this footprint. So uh, right here, I wish I would have brought a laser pointer. Do you guys have one of those, um, those, uh, those clickers up there? No, you don't. Uh, but do you know what? I have technology. And we're almost done with this, and, and I appreciate you bearing with me for a second. I'll just come down here and, uh, and allow me this, this moment. This will help us, I hope. Telestrator. Ah, there's my laser pointer. Ken? Ah, there we go. Okay. So, anyway, so there is our current auditorium. And phase two would turn this back into a 
gymnasium. Now, I think about our children and our teens on Wednesday nights playing down there, dodgeball down in the fellowship hall. And can you imagine to be able to walk in here, we can get, remove these lights, change this all up, remove the stage, get it back there so there still would be a stage in here, but you'd open this up, get some basketball hoops, and turn this back into a gymnasium where we can have activities, we can also have, have fellowships and different things in here, and ladies, you can serve right into the gymnasium. Wouldn't that be a blessing? What a blessing. God has given us a gymnasium right here. We don't need to go build one. We have a gymnasium. Not the biggest gymnasium, but the fact is it would, be a, it would, it would serve a purpose. Think about the ministries that we could have. Think about Friday nights with the teenagers. Hey, gather at the ten, on gymnasium. We're playing whatever ball in here. Uh, you know, get a volleyball, get a volleyball net right here in the middle, uh, middle here. We're playing volleyball. Think about men's outreaches and different things that we could do in this auditorium. Buildings don't change lives. What happens in them does. And I know, especially through the wintertime, we don't have a place for the children that we bring into um, to play except down in the fellowship hall, but we could have a gymnasium that God has already provided for us right here. You say, well, then where would we meet? Well, you see that up there on uh, this area. And I I wish that you could see it a little bit, uh, a little bit more. But what that is, is out on the parking lot is a 500-seat or the ability to have a 500-seat auditorium out there on the parking lot. Now, you would enter in, and you'll see it in, a, you'll see it in a moment, and I don't want you to flip the slide yet, but you see this, this hallway coming down here is a 21-foot wide hallway. You come into the church, wonderful, large space, some chairs, a book nook, coffee area, that type of stuff, walking down, uh, down the hallway, a wonderful place for people to mix and mingle with one another, coming all the way down and uh, coming down here to where we would move the nurseries and the, the toddlers right over in here so you'd have quick access, mo- uh, moms would have quick access to, the, uh, to entering into the auditorium. Right here would be a hospitality area that would have glass windows all these would have windows into this area in between the buildings, and I'll show you something about that in a moment. But we, you would have children's check-in here. Other children's rooms would still be down in here, so we would take this, this area part of the fellowship hall, two rooms worth, and we'd make that a teen, uh, a teen room. Right in here, we'd have a, a, a one-room ac- activity area, just kind of a, a general rough, uh, rough activity area. And then down here, we'd have we'd have the Adventure Kids Club, an uh, enlarged Adventure Kids Club rally room. You'd, have, you'd still have your classes over in here. We'd still have our missions room down in there, but we'd have these classes over in there, but with these enlarged, enlarged meeting rally rooms um, down there. You'd have over, over in here, you'd have a conference area uh, where more meetings could happen. We'd remodel the nursery. Uh, now my thing's doing whatever it wants to do. We'd remodel the nursery into another classroom. And so you would, you would gain some space in the other parts of our, of our building. And again, we'd open up this, uh, this back up into, uh, up into the gymnasium. So uh, up front here would be some offices. There would be a, 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 a single bathroom in there and um, several offices, reception and so forth. There would be a carport to pull through right there. And we'd still have our front entrance over here, uh, over there to the, to the church going down to Galewood. All right, there would be a fire door here in case of, you know it'd be all up to spec. Um, there would be a fire door there in case of fire that would shut off the buildings and separate the buildings. There's an entrance or there's an exit right here to come across the courtyard into the 
into the children's wing, or you could just walk the, the typical hallway that we have as is present. Would you give me the final picture here? So um, here is the footprint the, on the, the parking lot would go out on the ball field. And uh, if you notice out there on the ball field to the, to the west of the ball field, a shelter house, an uh, area for picnics and fellowships, an outdoor shelter house out there. I'd like to see that happen soon, uh, sooner than, than later. That would be a, a, a big blessing out there to be able to have, have that. But you see you have, um, you have um, uh, little islands out there at the end of the parking rows. You have your same entrance from Galewood. You have another a, a new entrance from, um, from Ghent coming into the parking lot. Boy, wouldn't that make it nice during uh, snowy weather, not going uphill and so on. And then you see here how you have this entrance comes up here, comes under the carport right there. And so that, that would be the entrance into, uh, into the, the, um, the auditorium and so on. That 21-foot hallway goes right here. Now, I know it's hard to see up here, and again, you can have copies of this, but uh, right in between the buildings, uh, this is something I'm kind of really excited about. We think about the children, oh, you can't go up there on the hill, no one's out there watching you, but right there, we will fence that in and make that a play area that the hospitality and the nurseries look over into. So moms can sit down, or dads can sit down, and, and be able to watch what's going out there. It would be wonderful to have a, you know, a, a play area out there for the kids. And that doesn't negate what we want to do down in twos and three-year-old room, have a play area for the, for the young kids down there. But that would be an outdoor uh, play area. Potentially, they told me that uh, the city may not let us do another drive out here because it's on a curve. So they, they actually put it on there. This is a possibility, not this is something they cannot guarantee. Everything else, they've, they've checked specs with. Uh, checked allowances with there'd be a little bit of parking here for offices and so on but uh, this one would be nice to have another exit out but nonetheless that that is that is the report and so along with this they've given us a budget I'm giving you the on the budget for that first phase 1a the other budget uh, you're not interested in being here long term and the inflation is still on the rise so we're just watching that budget go up right but nonetheless, what I want us to, to kind of walk away with, uh, from is let's, let's improve and maximize what God gave us, all the while obeying with the Lord. We're going to pass out John and Romans. We're going to reach out this, this year. I've already heard there's many ideas floating around in your heads about outreaches. Uh, you know, I was just blessed. I'll just use this in a, as an illustration. We have the National Night Out. We go and set up a tent. We meet families from the community. Brother Ron came to me last, last week and said, do you think I could bring my, my classic car there so well? You all are talking to the kids. The, the granddads can have something to look at. So I asked the police department, is that okay? And they're like, yes. You know what that is? That's the church teaming together, saying, how can we reach this community together? You know what that is? And that's happening. That's, that, is, that is one example one example of at least three or four examples that I've heard this, this week from, or the past couple weeks, from you. God is working in our church, and he's going to work through us. And sometimes you think, oh, you know, sometimes it feels like a little band. We have to keep our eyes on him, not on our size. We have to keep our eyes on him. Even as I present this to you, we are in a little bit different spot last year when we started this. But it doesn't mean we stop it. We sent this through and we asked for this study and now here on February 19th, 2023, God provided the money for it and here it is. Doesn't it give you a little bit of vision to think, you know what? What could God do? What could God do? He's given us this piece of property. 
Can't we use it all to his glory? What could God do? And that's what I want to leave us with. Now, it was John Newton that said, if you'd throw up this slide, it was John Newton that spoke, Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring. For grace and power are such that none can ever ask too much. No, we're not asking this for our glory. We are asking, God put us here so that we could bear much fruit. That's what he said in John 15. He has given us his word so that we can bear much fruit. Let's believe him for it. Let's ask God to do it. And so all I want you to walk home with is this. I'm just going to pray with pastor. We're going to pray together. God, we want to see you work. And if it's your will, we want to see you allow us to expand this building to fill it, fill it up with more, but we're certainly asking you to build your church. Can we all pray that? Can we all pray that? Can we just, just give that to the Lord? And so why don't we just bow right now? And I'm, I know the hour is, is late, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let us go, but let's just bow. To, would you bow with me and pray in your heart? I'm going to pray and just ask the Lord to do this. Leave with me, would you? Father, thank you for being the God who gave promises to Caleb and you did not fail. Thank you for being the God who gave us the promise that in this world you would build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it because it was built on an unmovable rock. That rock being Jesus. Lord, we realize that you did not promise to build a building, but you certainly have used buildings through the years to facilitate the work of your church. Lord, as we stand right here in this room, I think about in the future, the ability to be able to have children and teenagers and different groups meeting in here and playing and hearing challenges and being encouraged around tables of fellowship and thinking that in this place, activity could happen that would glorify you. Lord, I think about the parking lot we park on now, and I ask that someday there might be a building on that that would be filled up with people who are praising your name together. Lord, I pray out in that ball field that we play on now, Lord, I, I pray that uh, someday it would be full of cars on a weekly basis where people have driven in to gather together in praise and worship to you and in service to one another and in witness to the, to the lost community around us. I pray for that picnic shelter out there where we could fellowship together as a church and invite the community together to fellowship with us. Lord, I think about the, the front sidewalk, how it could open up the doors to the, to the church and, and say, you're welcome here. You're always welcome here. Lord, these things are nothing to you. Nothing. And to me, even, Lord, as I, I present this tonight, it is, it is totally impossible. And I just ask that you would, you would do something. You would grow us in our, in our, our own spiritual lives before you, our faith, would you give us the faith of Caleb? Would you help us to believe that you are not done working in Kettering, Ohio? And you're not done saving souls in this city. And that you're not finished restoring broken homes. And you're not finished giving, giving fatherless children, helping them to know you as their heavenly father. You're not finished. Lord, I pray that we believe you for it. Would you cultivate in our hearts a spirit of faith, not a spirit of doubt, not the spirit of the Israelites who doubted you and would not go into the land, would you develop in us a spirit of faith that believes that you are still in the business of doing the impossible? Lord, we've been on this footprint 
for almost 40 years. And we're asking that you would expand our footprint, that you would enlarge our borders, that you would enlarge this congregation for your glory. Lord, I pray that, that you would bring the harvest in. You said that we're to pray for labors for the harvest. I pray for that. I pray from this audience and I pray from our church family that you'd raise up labors for the harvest as we start our spring, our spring campaign. And I pray that we would see people come to know Jesus Christ this spring and be added to the church. Lord, I pray for the, the harvest field that, that need to be walked through. I pray for the neighborhoods. I pray for Van Buren. Lord, I pray that you would raise up young people and families to believe on you and trust you by faith and be added to, the, uh, to your church and what you're doing here in Kettering. Lord, we believe you're working around us, and we ask that you would help us to see it and join you in it. And we ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's believe God for it. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.